host, Hal Shirliff. The show is heard on WBCQ of the Planet every Monday and Thursday evenings at 7.30, uh, sorry, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Broadcast out of Monticello, Maine and heard all over the world. You can also listen to the broadcast on our Podomatic page. Just go to Podomatic.com and uh, punch in Camp Constitution where you'll hear most of our shows. And also on YouTube. Uh, again, Camp we try to make it easy for folks. Uh, just go to YouTube and put in Camp Constitution and up pops uh, our channel and please subscribe to it. You know, we, uh, our, this show is sponsored by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. And this year's camp will run, God willing. Uh, there's been all kinds of cancellations recently, but we're on so far. We haven't had word from the uh, host, uh, the camp that hosts us uh, at this point. Anyway, uh, July 19th to the 24th, it's a beautiful Plainfield, New Hampshire, the Singing Hills Christian Camp and Retreat Center. And one of our guest instructors is also online. How are you doing, Rev? I'm blessed. This is my brother from another mother on the line. How are you doing? Well, before we want to get into um, talk about what everyone's been talking about, the coronavirus and uh, really the big government overreach, I want to uh, pay tribute to a late friend of ours uh, by the name of Dr. Mildred Jefferson. Um, yes. I've spoken about her before, and I know, Rev, you met her. In fact, I oh, yes. it was oh, your yes. first camp in 2010, oh, yes. and uh, Dr. Jefferson came there, and I believe it was probably her last speaking engagement. I can't be certain because she passed away October 15th of that same year, 2010. And she was born in uh, on April April sixth uh, Monday, um, and you know it was interesting. She never liked to tell people her age, and you never really realize how. Old, I mean, I didn't. Uh, it was the time at camp. I knew she didn't look well. I said she looks like she's aged because she was she was a beautiful woman inside and out. But she was born in 1926, April sixth, and died October fifteenth of 2010. And she was a remarkable woman. She was the first black woman to graduate from Harvard Medical School. Uh, and she told me that she didn't go to medical school to be the first black woman to graduate from it. She said she did it right. she wanted to practice medicine. And this been a, she's, she's known in some circles, especially as a pioneer in the pro-life movement. And um, so it says here that uh, this is a quote from hers. I became a physician in order to help save lives. I am at once a physician, a citizen, and a woman, and I am not, not willing to stand aside and allow the concept of expendable human lives to turn this great land of ours into just another exclusive reservation where only the perfect, the privileged, and the planned have the right to live. Uh, so that's one of her great quotes, and uh, she was... Uh, very active in the right to life movement. Again, as I said, she was a pioneer in the right to life movement, and uh, from the from right in the wake of Roe versus Wade. Now, she was born in Texas. In fact, her her hometown uh, just put up a, a bust of her about two years ago. It was interesting too because I've been in touch with some of the folks down there. I think it was a distant cousin of hers, and a few other folks, and they knew nothing about her. And oh, so they wow. were very delighted. Yeah, they were very delighted, you know, that, uh, that, that I got in touch with them. 
I, w- I wanted to come down for the ceremony, but I wasn't able to do that. Uh, but if you go to our YouTube channel, I posted the uh, ceremony on our, uh, on our channel. It was a very, very moving uh, program. And she was a true patriot. Um, she was active, obviously, in the pro-life movement, but other organizations. And I was privileged to be one of her drivers, Rev. Uh, she didn't like to drive, and she didn't like to fly. I don't think she had a driver's license. She uh, she could she was a great a, a gifted surgeon, but she couldn't uh, couldn't get behind the wheel of a car. So oh, she would have uh, people. Yeah, she would have people just drive. Now I didn't drive her a whole lot. Um, you know, I was busy doing a lot of other things. So when um, there were two memorial services for her, one of them was at the Harvard Chapel where she attended Harvard University. And that's where her papers are housed as well, her papers and so forth. And Rev, when you move up here, we're going to take a visit to the library there. And, uh, yeah, you know, get some, yes, get for some sure. Good research yeah. on it. Yeah, and right. she, um, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, she knew Pro- President Reagan, and uh, there are many people believe that it was, it was Dr. Jefferson and Phyllis Lafley that played a major role in changing his position on the subject and changing the Republican Party's position because it had been very pro-abortion with guys like Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford and the Rockefeller influence, very, very pro-abortion, but it changed. And I think no doubt the pro-life support has made a big difference, even if most of the Republican presidents are nominally pro-life or just give the pro-life movement lip service. But uh, anyway, um, uh, the last time I was in touch with her, uh, we had an event at the State House. It was Constitution Day, September 2010. And I was supposed to pick her up in nearby Cambridge. It used to be a little deli there uh, in Central Square where everybody would pick her up. And <clears throat> yeah, I call, she, I, she might have called me. I don't remember. She, I called her. She called me. And she said, I just can't make it. I'm not feeling well. I'll be there in spirit. Because she never, ever canceled an event. Um, and on the 20 two plus years I, you know, I worked with her. She was also a friend of Larry McDonald, the congressman whose plane was shot down uh, by the Soviets in 1983, and she was part of his Western goal. So she was very well connected to people and just a delightful person. She even used to laugh at my jokes. And you know what, this is a funny story. She told me that um, uh, one of the organizations that makes books on tape available, uh, it's a nonprofit group. I don't know which one it is. There's probably several. They asked her if she would do some readings, and she said she'd be happy to. And then they came back to her and they said, you don't sound black enough. Mm. <laughs> Whatever that's supposed to mean. Yeah, and right. <laughs> she had a very beautiful voice. You know, it was a woman who had a lot of intelligence. But I, I don't know, the white, you know, the white, uh, I call them these white uh, liberals, uh, condescending liberals, you see. That was, uh, right. you don't, you don't imagine <clears> someone <throat> saying, you don't sound, man, so, hey, hell, you don't sound black enough, white enough. Well, yeah. how am I supposed yeah. to sound? <laughs> right, right, right. So, right. Uh, uh, now, uh, well, I think Dr. Jefferson will become more of a household name because there is a movie coming out entitled Roe versus Wade. That's the infamous decision that uh, Supreme Court ruled, uh, 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 I think, illegally uh, uh, against a, a state's laws on abortions. But her character is depicted in the movie, and the actress that's depicting her is Stacey Dash. I actually had a chance yes, to meet her yes. briefly. A very, very attractive lady, 
But Dr. Jefferson was dark-skinned, and Stacy's very light, you know, kind of a light-skinned yeah. uh, lady. So uh-huh. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, so, Rev, uh, I know you met her, uh, Kev, you and your wife met her. And yes, uh, I know yes. that, uh, you know, the sad thing, I, I went to two, two memorial services. Yeah, she, her funeral was actually in Texas. Um, but there was only like one or two black people there. And I'm thinking, here's this incredible role model for all women, by the way, not just black women. And she was a guest at my house here over the years. Um, she, you know, my children knew her growing up. They just, she was just a delightful person to be around. And Sam Blumenfeld, who was also a friend of Dr. Jefferson's, uh, told me that she was the most intelligent person he ever met. Now, he knew a lot of smart people. <laughs> yeah, so that's right, saying right. quite a bit. That's saying quite a bit. So uh, I was, well, Rev, um, Let's get into, uh, oh, by the way, you can go to our YouTube channel and you could find Dr. Jefferson's presentation, probably her last presentation that she gave. Um, she gave an address to our, class, uh, to our camp. It was only about 10 minutes long. It was basically dealing with Obamacare and socialized medicine and why it was a very bad idea. So, uh, so Rev, uh, we're, uh, I was at the Lane House uh, today uh, getting uh-huh. it ready for you and your wife. So uh-huh. I'm really excited about you coming up uh, from New Jersey to Boston or the Boston area to work uh, with me. Well, and, let's uh, actually, to work. Let's... You, have, you have your own ministry. We've been working together for a long time. Right. My goodness, what, since 07 maybe? But, right, uh, right, we'll be right. Able to, uh, the distance will be a little bit shorter, and we'll be able to get, I think, more accomplished, God willing. You um, know, I, uh, I was just thinking when, we were, when you were discussing our precious sister uh dr jefferson i'm gonna really be interested in us going and reading the archives of some of her papers because i believe that there are going to be nuggets they're going to be golden nuggets in her papers i'm looking forward to us doing that as soon as possible because i believe there are going to be golden nuggets in those papers that we'll be able to use to really knock this uh to really promote the spirit of life especially now with this coronavirus thing which is basically spawning fear and the 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 spirit of death so i'm looking forward to looking through her papers now because i think her especially with the renown she had number one uh graduating from harvard uh medical school number two as you were saying before uh, a black surgeon pro-life woman there's going to be some some nuggets there's going to be some golden nuggets in her writings that we're going to be you be, be able to use not only in messages and lecturing at the lane center but also as you and i go out on the road uh that came to me while you were talking about her uh with this whole COVID 19 thing we're dealing with two basic issues here you and i talked about this i believe yesterday and that is the 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 difference between the sanctity of life on one hand versus the spirit of death on the other and i believe dr jefferson's papers we're going to be able to extrapolate and pull things out of her papers that are going to really be golden nuggets that we'll be able to use when you and i take a lot of that material out on the road i even pulled out yesterday i was at the storage bin yesterday starting to sort through some of the materials some that i'm going to file 13 but then a lot i want to take and i mm-hmm. found i found something i'll share it with you when 
when you come down here in a couple of weeks. But I found something. I found a whole portfolio in one of my boxes that I thank God I didn't toss when I had a junk man come up here last week. It was a whole portfolio. I totally forgot about this, How A total portfolio, man, about three, about almost, man, three inches thick of mm-hmm. different endeavors that Edith and I did way back, man, in the late 70s. 70, we got married in 78. From 78, brother, to, to 84, where I had opportunities, things I totally forgot about, where I had opportunities to be in meetings with where Ronald Reagan actually was. I didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to talk to him personally, but I was in those meetings. I was a disc jockey and a talk show host. I forgot all about that stuff for <laughs> KMCV 107 in Spring, Texas. I did the midnight show and had a talk show <clears throat> that aired once a week at night. I was interviewing different police officers. I was interviewing different pro-life people. I even interviewed Earl Campbell when he played for the New Orleans Saints. I interviewed oh, yeah. Uh, George, yeah, George Foreman, the boxer. I interviewed, mm-hmm. I interviewed a guy named Jack Fields who was in Congress. I totally forgot about all of that. That I had, that I actually had. Now the show. question is, do you have any of the archives, any of those, anything, anything recorded? Because that'd be really rich stuff to have. You know, I don't have any of the audio, but I have all of the. I have a lot of letters. I was looking at some huh. of the letters. The paper is so delicate now that I have to have it with kid gloves. But when I see you, when you come down here in a couple of weeks, you will be amazed. At some of the some of the, the the written letters of people uh, writing the radio station saying, "Oh, we so enjoyed our interview with with they, uh, uh, with, with with Brother Stevie." And it, it was amazing. I said, "Wow," you know. I said, "Wow, I, we totally forgot about some of this stuff." Edith was well. Amazing. You know, that's why it's important. Uh, you know, when you many people in the world have have made impacts, small or large or medium sized impacts. And a lot of their records there uh, have been lost, and it's a real sin. For example, um, Sam Blumenfeld, he willed his papers, his library to me, and he knew that I wasn't just going to you know, sell all the books and throw everything away, that I thought what he had done since the early 60s, actually even before that, was historically important. So uh, I was able to uh, thank God, uh, you know, with the help of Bill McNally, who's uh, a good friend of mine, who's been involved with Camp Constitution, uh, Camp Newspaper Editor Mark Affleck from Pennsylvania, and a webmaster, Eric Conover. And uh, we, were, we got 200 boxes or more, plus bags of things. And, you know, Sam just says, take everything. And we cleaned out a couple of storage bins in his apartment. And we had to sift through it because there was a lot of stuff he had downsized a few times, and when he did that, he just sort of, uh, he was very organized, but when you have to downsize quickly, you put stuff, so we had some magazines and phone bills mixed in with other yeah. important letters, and he knew so many people. It was interesting, as I'm looking at some of the correspondence, I thought, okay, well, I know who this guy, I, Ann Rand, yeah, I know who she is, I know who this right. guy, and then some of them I wasn't sure, so I'd go a little search and find out, oh, it was the founder of a insurance company or I said this is all good history yeah. you know so we archived that not only we're going to have it on display not on display so much but people 
can make appointments and visit visit the uh, his his archives, which will be housed at the at the Lane House, where you, you and your wife will be living, but also online. They can go right to the website. And uh, and by the way, we've been experiencing a lot of uh, downloads of our materials just in the last couple of weeks. I think more people are home now. More people have time to do that. And they have a use for the Sam's rich archives, the Alpha Phonics, and all of the other things he's done. So we're kind of, uh, you know, kind of pleased with that. So I tell people, hey, don't throw this stuff away. You know, put it aside, save it. You know, there's some stuff that not be worth anything. But and I have, I have a, a Dr. Adamson, who was the first John member. He was uh, JBS's first youngest council member, one of the first, earliest council members, and yeah, he's since passed. But I have about two boxes worth of his correspondence. I've, fascinating stuff, and we're going to have that uh, available as well at the uh, at the house. You know, he. I have, uh, he, he knew the aviator, um, oh, uh, he was a World War I ace. Uh, uh, he started uh, Eastern Airlines. I have their correspondence, you know. It's really, very fascinating. So Yeah, yeah, and, and that's good. I'm sitting here kind of looking at some of the material that I'm going to share with you when I see you. Uh, I have all these pictures, black and white pictures of me sitting as a control board. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I have pictures of me doing, doing a show with the, with the uh, headphones on, talking into the uh-huh. mic. I have an article I'm looking at uh, the Montgomery County Daily Courier, Conroe, Texas, Wednesday, February 13, 1980, a picture of me talking with a bunch of uh, young teenagers in the radio station, and it says the article says, to kids from kids to air, writers of the writers of the Daily Courier to kids from kids column, which appears on the editorial page every Thursday, will be featured on the KMCV FM radio talk show community forum Thursday at 1.30 and 11.30 p.m. Show host Steve Kraft will talk with the young writers about their column and about the problems facing preteens of today. As disc jockey Kevin Allen seated, seated broadcast, Kraft shows the ropes to courier writers left to right and the kids' names. I'm looking at this stuff. I'm saying, wow. I says, wow. I says, wouldn't it be, Lord? I says, you brought all this, all this stuff back to my remembrance, and I totally forgot yeah. about it. I said, just imagine, Lord, in a major market like Boston, if I was able to get a talk show in Boston on some of these issues that we're facing with, me and Hallie have a talk show on a major... Well, wait a minute now. We're on WBCQ. We're all over the world, brother. We're, we're, this is a good station here, but you're right. We, we yeah. would love be good if we got a, a, another market at Boston. That'd be great. And hopefully wow. the doors will be open to us. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. one of the... Uh, this uh, virus that we're dealing with that shut down most of the economy and uh, has killed a lot of people, yes, unfortunately, sir. very, under, uh, um, but we're seeing what I'm seeing. And I think you see it too in New Jersey is the, uh, the power grab that the left first off the left is trying to blame everything on Donald Trump. When <laughs> first off the virus came from a communist country, the <laughs> communists could have dealt with it earlier. They, they denied it. Uh, there was, was a whistleblower that said, hey, something's wrong here that in, in the, back in October, and they forced them to recant. All, you know how they torture people, and they forced them to yeah. recant. Uh, and then he since died from the, the disease. And then, of course, it spread pretty quickly. It spread like wildfire. Right. And uh, I guess January, I think there was one, a few cases in January in the United States, at least a few uh, known cases. And Trump, uh, Donald Trump, I guess it was 10 days after uh, the first case, 
said, okay, no more flights to China for a while. And all of these leftists, the same ones are saying that, oh, we knew about it way back then, and no one knew wouldn't do anything about it. They were calling him a racist. Our right. uh, lefty mayor, our lefty pro-Muslim mayor, Marty Walsh, in Boston, goes to Chinatown in the restaurant and says, you know, don't be afraid. It's racism to be not to go to Chinatown. Well, wait a minute now. There might be some people who don't like Chinese people. I said, but if there's a communicable disease that you're not addressing, maybe it's wise. Not, not all of a sudden, they're hysterical. They're telling us, you know, uh, six feet apart, wear a mask when you go out. And they're even zip-tying basketball courts. Uh, basketball I saw it. I saw it. You I know, it. Uh, it's, it's not just in Boston. I guess it's all over. Of course, Marty, I don't think Marty Walsh is smart enough to figure something out like that for himself. Yeah. You know, they just give these marching orders. So even basketball nets have been zip-tied. Churches have been closed. Um, now, they say uh, in, in Massachusetts, our left-wing Republican governor said only essential services. So abortion mills are essential. You, you better you, Killing babies is essential. That's supposed to be a constitutional right to kill your baby. But you don't have the right to worship or the right to travel, but you have the right to kill your baby. Um, and the church in uh, Tampa, it's other church officials yeah, have been Rodney arrested Brown, too in other Rodney states. Brown. Right, Rodney Brown. Uh, right. Yes, he uh, and Liberty Council has taken his case. Right. He made all. He took all of the precautions that the CDC, Center for Disease Control, recommended. He went above that. He actually got a purifier costing thousands of dollars. One hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it was incredible, and they arrested him anyway. And so there's, and it was actually not the state, it was the state of Florida, it was the county. So now yeah. you have county officials and governors and mayors making laws, making executive decisions, and not even laws, and getting people arrested. People have been arrested in beaches. There was a guy, a couple of guys from Massachusetts that parked their car and drove to the local golf course right over the border to Rhode Island. And they arrested them because they were from out of state, not because they were playing golf, but they were from out of state. And the governor says, you've got to quarantine for 14 days. Are you kidding me? So, I mean, people routinely go across state borders. These same leftists who two weeks ago, we love open borders. Let them all come in from Mexico. Let them all come from all over the world. We don't care if they have documentation. We're one big melting pot. You're a racist if if you're against having everybody coming in here, we don't care if they have communicable diseases. We'll take care of them. Now, all of a sudden, they're sealing the state borders. That just right. shows you just how hypocritical these people are. Well, see, and see, for your listening audience, this is our major concern, and this is what we have to address as soon as Edith and I get up there to Boston. We don't have any idea how, Alexa, rather, we have no idea how long this thing is going to be prolonged. But one thing that I am convinced about, and that's this, I do not see or foresee our great nation ever going back to the quote-unquote status quo. I really think this is going to be a new normal because power grabs, once a power grab is taken over, very seldom will they relinquish that power grab. And we are going to have to actually go on the offensive and actually bring people that love their freedom and love liberty together to say enough is enough is enough. And we will not 
stand for any more of it. Because when we look at this whole picture, not only nationally here in the United States now, but internationally around the world, you see the exact same paradigm, people getting locked down. I get a, a, an email from my, my friend from Dr. Hammond in South Africa and Richard Thomas. Oh, yeah. They had unlocked South Africa down. There is something very sinister and satanic going on around the world to, number one, destroy the free enterprise system, to destroy the greatest nation in the world by breaking our breadbasket, by bringing in these draconian totalitarian methods where they have tested, they have, as, as that guy uh, Rahm Emanuel said, never let a crisis go to worse, to waste. And they have seen now that the Americans, man, for the most part, because they have they have bowed down to this thing rather than just let this thing basically run its course. You don't shut down a whole nation and a whole world and an economy man of, of of a spirit of infirmity and a spirit of fear. You don't do that. I mean, it, this thing is really a no-brainer. There is a whole lot more behind this thing than just the fact of this virus. And that's the thing that we have to get the listeners to understand and see, that this is a power grab. This is a power play to, 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 to bring America under. The, I, I, yesterday I was telling my wife, I said, I feel like I'm in North Korea somewhere. This is crazy, you know? Well, and, you know, let me, and, I think there's some positive things that we want to focus on in the – you've got about four minutes left. I think one of – and we need to take advantage of this uh, as the enemy takes advantage of it, but we take right. advantage of it for the good reasons. One, right. all the government public – I mean, schools are closed. Mm-hmm. So right. that that's means they're thing. all homeschooled. So right. now – and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of people going to our website, going to the uh, Blumenfeld archives. People are now right. parents are right. saying, "Hey, we can homeschool. We don't need to go to these big ugly buildings and get kids up at six in the morning and in buses across town and gone the whole day." That's number one. Right. Number That's two, good. Right. Families are having meals together. You know, families uh-huh. are together. Uh, that hasn't happened in a while because you got families that are you know, everyone's working and you get kids in the and my wife's a daycare provider. Not anymore since the shutdown. But so families are together. And then right. you're seeing some common sense, a lot of regulations, even though we see ridiculous uh, regulations being, or, you know, uh, orders, you also see uh, people suspending the taxes. Yes, they're saying, look, we want to get this stuff to market. Forget about all the regulations and red tape. Let's just get it done. And then, um, so that's another thing. And uh, the, uh, the, the notion that open borders is a good thing has been, Reevaluate it now. Even the leftists are shut. want the borders shut down. So perhaps the concept of secure borders, and one reason why you have secure borders, or that's what you strive for, is to prevent people coming into your nation with communicable diseases. That's what Ellis right. Island was all about, making right. sure that uh, they'd be there for a couple of days or whatever, and if they had any communicable diseases, they were sent back. They wouldn't allow them here. Uh, it kind of makes sense. It's called self-preservation. And then... Um, uh, so uh, then you see the plastic bag bans uh, that have been repealed. These plastic bag bans are part and parcel of Agenda 21 we've talked a lot about. And people right. are bringing in their reusable bags. Of course, a big market for that made in China and uh, Vietnam mainly. I was in a store just a little while ago, and it said, do not bring your reusable bags 
are now banned. So just mm-hmm. the opposite, you know. And yeah. in fact, I went into a supermarket around the corner from me a, a couple, two days yesterday, and I had a paper bag with something in it from another store. And uh, I said, oh, just put the stuff in there. She said, I can't even touch that. I said, oh, really? Wow. That's interesting. You know, where they wow. used to take the dirty reusable bags and, you know, now they won't even touch anything you bring in, even if it's a paper bag. So these are some of the, oh, also, and I don't mean to be tongue-in-cheek here, but the drag queen story hours have been canceled all over That's the right. country. And the, and and the, the, the homosexual pride parades, right. They're going to be canceled. And, right. And you know, what's, you know what's sad is that uh, here are all these uh, local and national leaders promoting the lifestyle that leads to a uh, immune deficiency. That's what AIDS is, a, a acquired yeah. immune deficiency because of the sexual behavior. And city mayors have been promoting that lifestyle. So I know, and in fact, I've been to a couple of homosexual websites where they're saying that the homosexuals are being hit harder. Well, of course you are. If this yeah. is about an immune system. And right, you, right, right. That's good. And, good and, point. And, yeah. So, so the, and there's, I know there's a few others uh, that I just can't think of right away. So we have to look at that, look at the bigger picture. And yes, right now a lot of people are bending and bowing to Big Brother, but at some point they're going to say enough's enough. In fact, the policeman, right. whole, he's a fellow patriot, and he said, uh, he told his boss, he said, I am not going to arrest people on the street. I am not going to uh, obey any unconstitutional, I'm not going to enforce unconstitutional orders. I'm just letting you know. He said there's mm-hmm. going to be massive civil disobedience at some oh, point. Yeah. Where people oh, yeah. have, hey, oh, yeah. I need to get a haircut. I need to go. All right, uh, yeah, so right, my right, has, right. My wife needs to get her nails done. You know, and I, uh, they say, and they say only essential businesses. Well, I tell you something. If I invested my life in my little shop or my bookstore or my my nail boutique or my antique shop, that's essential to me. You know, right? Essential to whom? You know, who who makes that determination? Where abortions are essential, <clears throat> the liquor stores are essential, the pot shops are essential. But Joe's barbershop isn't essential, you know? Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come so, uh, on. So, yeah, so we need to take advantage of this, uh, Rev. And, uh, oh, yeah. And I'd like to think, well, we're almost out of time here. I'd like to think that in the wake of this, some positive things will come out of it. And yeah, uh, yeah. why don't you give the closing comments so we get about a half a minute. Yes, I, I, I totally concur on what you just said, my brother, that, that we can look at this thing from both sides and 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 eat the meat and spit out the bones but the main thing i would say to our listening audience is uh, is this we must be aware we must remember what the apostle paul told us to not be ignorant of satan's devices we also must understand what what the apostle john said in john chapter 10 10 first quoting what the enemy is about and then quoting what our lord jesus is about and that verse says that the thief Satan only comes for three things, to steal, to kill, and then to destroy. He's trying to steal our freedom. He's trying to steal our economy. He comes to steal, and then he comes to kill. He's killing people with this spirit of infirmity, this spirit of fear, and then to destroy their souls. But it doesn't stop there. That's the bad news. The good news is the rest of that verse. But Jesus says, I have come, and that they may have life and life more abundantly. more abundantly. So we Amen. are going, yes, so I am looking forward to at the end of the month that we make this transition 
Uh, we're in the process of change now, and we're about to make this transition up to Lexington, where the shot that was heard around the world, we're coming up as Paul Revere's in blackface and saying, mm, get amen. ready. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, folks. Uh, all right, been a guest. You've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio on WBCQ, The Planet. And until next week, may God protect you and may he bless you.